This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Hello, Hearts of Oak. Thanks for joining us on another pre-record interview with Matt Strickland coming up in a moment. And for those of you certainly in the UK don't know Matt, he's a small business owner. In fact, he's a veteran. 15 years he served in the US military in Iraq and Afghanistan. He then came home to Civvy Street, started a restaurant. Cooking was his passion. And for seven years, he's worked very hard at building that business. And he got to a point where he was looking at expanding and then COVID restrictions hit. He opposed those. He did not submit to the madness. If people want to wear a mask, they can. If they don't want to wear a mask, they don't have to. Just whatever. He let people get on with things as they were. Because as a restaurant, you obviously cannot work from home. You have to be out there in the community. So he opposed that. And the system, the state came down on him. They raided him. uh, And he wanted to actually push back on that. And the way he thought he could do was to run for politics. So he's running for the Virginia Senate. He's a candidate primaries are in May, the election is in November, and Matt exemplifies the American dream. Patriotism, hard work, military service, family man, Christian values, it, it's what the American dream is built upon. So tune in, watch Matt discuss his story, which is how the American dream should be worked out in the 21st century, and I know you will be inspired. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you once again for joining us, and it is absolute delight to talk to someone who I met when I was last over stateside, and that is Matt Strickland. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's good to see you, Peter. Great to have you on, and we'll be talking about Matt's run for the Virginia Senate. You can see underneath his name, at Matt for VA, that is Virginia, to our UK viewers. Uh, that is his Twitter handle, and mattforva.com is his campaign website. I would encourage you to go have a look at that. If you're not US-based, you still may want to look at it and see how an individual, a candidate running for office, why they're running, it's worthwhile. As I know, you, our viewers and listeners, even if you're not US-based, you're probably very interested in politics and probably Matt's run for Virginia is more exciting than anything happening in the UK. So do make use of that. But if I could just um, just start off, Matt, your, your story, I guess, is kind of the American dream. You live in the same state where your generations of your family have lived. You've served your country in the military, started a business, running for political office, family man, married with four children. It's the model, I guess, on which America was built, family, hard work, and service. Um, And maybe we'll start earlier on your military life. Uh, I think at 17, you joined the U.S. military. Do you want to tell us about your reasons for joining? Was that a family decision, your personal? Well, what kind of made you at 17 to want to put your name forward and join the military? Well, Peter, um, to be honest with you, the, the main reason I joined is I grew up in some pretty rough neighborhoods here in Virginia, and we got five brothers and three sisters, um, two brothers older than me. My oldest brother, he was he was murdered by gang violence wow. in 1996. And my uh, other older brother, he was involved in gangs as well. He's been in prison since 1997. 
Um, I've got three brothers that are younger than me as well. And what I wanted to do was prove to them that the, the route that my two older brothers took was not the only route available to us. Mm. I wanted to set a better example for them. And, you know, when you're, when you're growing up, um, you know, in, uh, in, in neighborhoods that are poverty stricken, stricken, and, you know, you don't have a lot of money, you don't come from money. There's only a couple of ways to get out of the situation you're in. And one way in the United States of America is by joining the military and, uh, and making something of yourself. So I joined the military, one, because of my love for my country, um, my grandfather. Uh, so my family, like you, like you stated before, my family has been in Virginia, you know, since Virginia started. And we fought in every war that the United States has had. And we've done it as Virginians. And uh, so the, the military has always been in the back of my mind and something I've always been interested in pursuing once I got older um, because I wanted to continue that tradition of service that my family has been in. And then also, you know, like I said, it was, it was, it was, it was a way for me to make something out of myself that I wouldn't have the opportunity to do in the situation I was in. So I joined the Army at 17 years old. And uh, I think I set a pretty good example for my little brothers. The one, uh, the one under me, he's an aerospace engineer. Oh. The next one is a computer scientist. And then the one under him is a professional poker player. And he makes more money than all of us. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to sit and chat to your younger brother. I studied aerospace. And my oh. life, uh, I wanted to fly uh, commercially or military. Um, and actually, what happened to me what happened to you at the start of your military career, I guess, happened to me when I was going to start out with a career, and that was 9-11. And that was the mm -hmm. end of any, any career in the aerospace industry for me personally. But for you, that was just the very beginning. I think you what enlisted like the day before 9-11. Well, what was that like? Yeah, well, I enlisted actually at 17 years old in March of 2001. So I went through basic training, um, advanced individual training. Uh, so I was, a, I was a combat medic, so an infantry medic. Um, when I got through all of my training, I got to my first unit, and that was 25th Infantry. Uh, so I got to my first unit on September 10th, 2001. <laughs> wow. And the next day was 9-11. Wow. So, you know, I spent majority of uh, the next decade fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, fighting alongside of a lot of guys, you know, from the UK. Got to meet um, a bunch of uh, a bunch of other patriots from other countries that uh, were warriors as well, and I really enjoyed that time. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I I got with a company, you know, as you can see behind me, called Blackwater, and uh, did the private military contracting thing as well, and I loved it. You know, it, it, it so one thing that that taught me is that the private sector does everything way better than the government. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just way more efficient, you know, just planning missions, conducting missions and not having all the red tape to deal with. Um, so I, and I love that world. You know, it was when I was with Blackwater it was, you know, mostly all special forces guys, Navy SEALs, Rangers. And, uh, you know, it gave me a different perspective because I was just a regular infantry, you know, regular army, regular infantry combat medic. 
So being on teams with uh, the special operators, it uh, it opened up a whole nother world to me that the military was about. And I, I just truly enjoyed it, you know, and joining the army at 17 years old was something that obviously changed my life. It gave me the discipline um, that I didn't know I needed. Mm. And, you know, it gave me uh, uh, the job training and skills that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else and obviously helped me earn money for college. And uh, so before that, I mean, the last grade I completed was ninth grade. I didn't even complete high school. Um, I got my GED and I went to the military uh, because uh, I dropped out of school to work. I had to make money. And uh, curriculum, academics has always come pretty easy to me. And uh, I, I got my GED and took the the exam to get into the military and scored pretty well. Um, since, you know, I've uh, completed my degree in business and actually, you know, graduated towards the top of my class in doing so. But um, but that was my life and how it started. And I wouldn't change a thing about it because the the path that God um, led me on, you know, it made me the man I am today. And I know you hear that all the time. People say it all the time. But I truly believe if I didn't go through all the trials and tribulations that I went through um, as a child or even, you know, as a uh, as a military service member, that I would not have the perspective on life and uh, on my country and really the worldview that I have today. Um, so after I did the private military thing, um, can, can, can I ask you about oh, just absolutely. one thing? Because going obviously to Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I was prior to this, I was chatting to my, my younger, my seven year old, and I mentioned talking to someone who's in the military, they serve in Iraq, Afghanistan. He said, That sounds very dangerous. And, mm -hmm. and that whole concept of, I mean, you could have gone to Germany, <laughs> it would have been, but Iraq, Afghanistan, it's right there on the front. Your life is in danger every day. It's not in the middle of Europe or something. Uh, what, what was that like? Because I guess when people join the army, they don't necessarily expect, certainly from the beginning, to end up on the front line to be facing life and death each day. And, and that's what you faced right from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Deploying for the first time is scary. Hmm. Um, I'd be lying to you if I told you anything different, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. All you know is you're going to another country to fight people that want to kill you. And it's very scary. Uh, but once you get into that first firefight, um, all of the uh, all of the fear leaves you. And then especially for me, uh, seeing the first time one of my brothers was killed um, overseas, that really flipped the switch for me and took all the fear that I had in being combat away. All I wanted to do it from that point on um, was make sure that as many of them paid as I could, as I possibly could. And I'll tell you, so... A lot of times when when, you know, even the, the generations before me were at war, um, especially my generation, none of us really knew what the hell we were doing in Iraq and Afghanistan fighting, what we were actually fighting for. Yeah. All they told us is we're going to fight terrorists to make sure that they don't bring um, the terrorism to our front doorstep here in America. And that'll motivate the hell out of anybody who's a patriot. So that's what we were fighting for. Um, you know, as I've gotten older and as I've matured, I realized that the reasons we were in Iraq and Afghanistan um, weren't what we thought it was for. And that um, there was a lot of corruptness going on. But at the time, you know, when you're over there as a young soldier, um, 
you're fighting for each other, and that's it. So you're fighting for the man to the left and the right of you, and all you care about, you don't care about the big picture. All you care about is making sure that your buddy stays alive and making sure that you kill more of the people that are trying to kill you. And that's that's it. I mean, it's so simple when it comes to the, the common soldier's mindset. Um, it's survival is all it is. So, yeah, it is. It is scary. But I, I'll tell you another thing. Um, it's addicting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so once you once you've done it for a while and you realize you're good at it and you also realize you're part of the biggest superpower on the face of the earth, because one thing about the United States military is. Um, is that there is no other military stronger than us on the face of this earth. And and that's evident in, in the fact that, you know, I told you I worked with a lot of different militaries overseas. And and you can tell the respect, you know, that that's given to you uh, be, just because you're a part of the United States military. They know you're the greatest fighting force on the face of this earth. And uh, it's just something uh, it's just a sense of pride that it gives you knowing that you're just a small piece of that. You know, not I mean, not to take away from other countries. Um, I mean, there's especially, you know, UK um, fighters from all different countries, man. I mean, there there are some warriors that I met overseas that can fight just as well as us, you know, here in the United States of America. Um, but we just, you know, we we uh, we put a lot more money into our military, a lot more training. We got the best training on earth, and uh, and we have this patriot mindset that we love our country. Um, Americans, um, we, we, you know, we 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 tend, you know, the perspective I got being overseas, the pride that we have in our country is unmatched mm -hmm. by any yeah. other. And I believe it's, you know, because of the way our country was formed and what has been instilled in us. You know, a lot of other countries, especially um, those third world countries like Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, so like for, for, for Afghans, there not a lot of them are, have Afghan pride. It's more tribalism. So they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're more, they're, they're committed to their tribe or they're committed to their um, Islamic, you know, faith. And that's what they're about. Americans, we bleed red, white, and blue, and we will die for our country. And, uh, and that's the difference. But I, I absolutely, I loved it. It was scary at first, like I said, but it's something that becomes addicting when you find out you're good at it. But my wife, she told me, she said, Hey, Matt, You've been overseas for almost 10 years now. You've got four kids, so it's time to come home. And so I found a job here at home working as an intelligence analyst. So I did that for about half a decade. I worked as an intelligence analyst for the military. And um, I learned some things working as an intel analyst about my country that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, and I also learned something about myself, and that is that I don't like the office life. <laughs> I'm not a, uh, I'm not a guy that likes sitting behind a computer. I'd rather, I'd rather, I don't like sitting at the computer reading reports of guys doing what I used to do. I'd rather yeah. be on the other side of the computer kicking indoors myself. So, um, so I didn't enjoy it for too long, but when ISIS started ravaging Iraq and taking over Iraq and killing innocent Christians, just because they were Christians, I felt it was my opportunity to go back to Iraq and kind of, um, you know, finish what I started. And and I'm a Christian myself, so I felt it was my duty to go back to Iraq and, uh, you know, help save as many Christian lives as I could. So I convinced my wife to allow me to do so. So I went back to Iraq in 2014, and um, I was there for two years. I fought ISIS until 2016. 
And at that point, my wife said, all right, now, you know, you got to come home and figure out what you're going to do here in the States. Your kids need you. I need you. Um, I've always want, I've always known I wanted to be a small business owner. Hmm. And the reason for that is because I'm a very self-motivated person. And um, I like to see, I'm, I don't like making the same amount of money every two weeks, no matter how hard I work or how hard I don't work. Yeah. I'm a very so, self-motivated person and I want my paycheck to reflect how hard I do work. Hmm. And, and that is what small business ownership is all about. Um, if you don't bust your ass, you, you're not going to make any money. However, if you work hard, um, your paycheck will reflect that. And I've always wanted to be uh, a restaurant owner specifically because one of my biggest hobbies, even though I've never worked in the restaurant industry, one of my biggest hobbies has always been cooking. I love mm. cooking. I just love creating something from nothing and watching somebody else enjoy what I created. It just, uh, you know, it, it just makes me feel good, man, to see something that I was able to create. Other people are really enjoying it as well as much as I do. So my wife and I started a food truck when I came home in 2016 uh, called Gourmelts. And we just took gourmet and melts and combined the two, got gourmelts out of it. And so what we do is melts, grilled cheeses. And I chose that because grilled cheeses are kind of a blank canvas. You can do so much with them. Yeah. Um, and we do. I mean, we do brisket melts. We do uh, pulled pork melts, grilled chicken melts. You name it. We're very, you know, we uh, it's a unique restaurant that's unlike any other. And we have fun with our menu. And so it took off. It grew mm -hmm. to two trucks, three trucks. And then eventually in 2018, we opened the first restaurant version of Gourmelts. And that took off. And probably a week or two before COVID happened in March of 2020, I was this close to signing another lease on another building and opening up the second Gourmelts location. Uh, but God was looking out for me. There was something in the contract I didn't like. Mm. So I didn't sign it. Uh, we were working those terms out and then COVID hit and that's well, when it really changed. Well, let me pick up on that. Just uh, about the business. I mean, it's coming, trying something new and building that up from a couple of food trucks. And then you have your, your actual restaurant. And uh, I've been there, uh, great venue, great location, great building and kind of, as a business owner, you sit back and you think, actually, you haven't been a chef and trained for this. You haven't necessarily been to business school and trained. It's just you want to do something. And you've come back from the military. There's there's nothing else. You have to do something and you make it work. Um, and that's that entrepreneur attitude, I guess, is, is exciting. And that's what others need to hear. And uh, if others are struggling, they need to know they can push through and you can actually make it happen. Yeah, no doubt about that. And if anybody is trying to get a small business off the ground and they're struggling mm -hmm. and they just want to quit, um, you are not alone. Trust me, there are many times along this journey, uh, you know, when I just own the food trucks and even when I own the restaurant that I told myself, if somebody would just come give me the amount of money that I've already put in this business, I'll walk away. Yeah. Um, and because it is tough, you know, and, and sometimes it seems that, um, you know, maybe you, you bit off more than you can chew and maybe this is not going to work out like you thought it would, but you don't have that person that's going to come give you the money that you put in. So you have no choice, 
but to drive on and push through and make it work and make it happen. So that's what I did. And eventually I got to a point where I look back and I'm, wow, man, I'm glad nobody offered me the money that I put in here because now, you know, we're in a lot better position. And now um, I've got it to the point that I thought I would be able to get it to, which is being successful and actually, you know, finally turning a profit and just doing what I enjoy doing, you know, and now I go to, I go to work for, you know, 12 hours a day and it feels like I was there for two hours because I love doing what I do. And I think that, you know, people, you spend so much time of your life at work. So one thing I tell my kids is when you're trying to choose a career path, don't do it by the amount of money that you make in that career. Choose something that you honestly enjoy because you're going to spend a lot of your time doing that. So um, I'm glad I drove on. I'm glad I carried on. And uh, we've gotten to a point now, like I said, where we're starting to to reap some, some of the benefits. So anybody out there struggling, keep pushing, keep driving. It, it will be if you one thing I realize is this, that if you're a hard worker and you truly enjoy something and you're very passionate about it, like I am cooking, you're going to be successful at it. If you got those two things, if you got work ethic and you truly enjoy something, you can make a career out of that and you can be successful at it. Hmm. Tell us COVID hits. Now, for many people, uh, when it all hits, some people can stay at home. Some people can work at home. Some people like a restaurant, a restaurant owner, you, that's not an option. So how did it affect you whenever everything happened and restrictions? Uh, what were the restrictions of Virginia and how did it affect you as a restaurant owner? Yeah, well, so when when I opened Gourmelts, even the food truck, when I came home in 2016, um, I took my old job back as an intelligence analyst just to supplement the income while we were building the the, the company. And uh, so in 2020, I was still working, you know, part time as an intelligence analyst. And when COVID happened in March of 2020, they shut my entire skiff down that I worked at. Um, So they told my entire program, which was a very important program, national security wise, they told us all to go home and they don't know when we're going to be able to come back. And obviously we can't do any work from home because all of our work has to be done in a top secret facility. Yeah. So for that to happen, it set the alarm bells off with me and it made me, you know, tell myself, hey, maybe this is something that's probably pretty serious if they're sending us home. Um, It's probably something you want to pay attention to and take serious. I thought it was a virus that was going to kill half the world like they were telling us, you know. So I did take heed of the warnings and I listened to the recommendations of the governor at the time. I shut my restaurant down for three months. Um, from March of 2020 to June of 2020. And in June of 2020, the governor said, okay, restaurants, you guys can open back up, but under these provisions. And the provisions were um, you had to wear a mask walking into the restaurant, but as soon as you sit down at a table, somehow magically you're, you're, uh, you're safe from COVID. Just the same in the UK. (laughs) Nobody's allowed to sit at my bar but I can pull a table up to the bar and you can sit at that table. Um, Just totally arbitrary rules and mandates that I quickly realized were not about health and safety. I realized very early on that they were about control. And 
as I told you before, I fought in a lot of countries where dictatorships ruled. And I was not going to allow a dictatorship to rule in my country. So I knew I had to fight back. So my wife and I talked about it. And we came to the conclusion that, you know, we teach our, our children to make sure they stand up and fight for what's right, no matter what the the consequences will be for them. If mm. they know it's right, they got to fight for it. And we can't teach our, our children that if we're not willing to do so ourselves. So we fought back by not complying. And because I didn't comply with the, the COVID mandates, the Virginia Department of Health suspended my health department license. And in Virginia, your ABC license, your license to sell alcohol, is tied to your health department license. So once my health department license was suspended, my ABC license was automatically suspended. Okay. And then I was also fined over $70,000 from OSHA, the uh, regulatory um, organization here in the United States. I was fined over 70 grand by OSHA for having an unsafe work environment. And that unsafe work environment was not making my employees wear a mask. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, I didn't like what was, I, I, it just didn't feel right. You know, something felt weird out of place and, and none of these mandates made any sense. Um, so I continued, my wife and I made the decision to operate business as usual and not follow any of the mandates and allow my customers and my employees to decide what they think is best for them. If you wanted to wear a mask, you're more than welcome to. If you don't believe that a piece of cotton saves you from a virus, if you have common sense, then you don't have to put one on. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was up to them because what I was not going to do was be a part of stripping my customers' constitutional rights away from them. Um, the Constitution is everything here in, in the United States of America. And if you don't have that here, you don't have anything. So mm. I wasn't going to be a part of stripping them of their constitutional rights. And for that reason, they took my licenses away from me. Can you can you tell me what it was like? Did you I I think when people took a stand during the restrictions in different ways that at the beginning certainly felt very alone that you were up against you were the the only bad one, you were the only disobedient one. You must follow what everyone else is doing. And then you begin to realize that there are many people who feel the same way and we're standing up against in different ways. What about you as an individual as a restaurant owner? Were you able to connect with others? What response did you get? Um, what was that like from others? What kind of feedback were you getting? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a very nerve-wracking decision, Yeah, you know, to put your livelihood on the line. And that's what we were doing. My wife and I, we we thought we were going to lose everything. You know, we didn't know how the community would respond to what we were doing, you know, in situations like this. And I know you've felt this way along the, along the way that you're the only one that realizes what's going on. You're, am, am I the only one that sees the ridiculousness of what's going on? I can't be. And, but you feel that way because everybody's just blindly complying with these ridiculous mandates. But as soon as it became public, what we were doing at my restaurant, which is just allowing the citizens their freedoms that God get was, you know, that God has given to them. Um, the amount of support that followed was just amazing. It just blew me away. I had people flying to Virginia from all over the United States of America just to come to my restaurant and shake my hand and thank me for standing up. And, um, and that that let me know, okay, Matt, 
you're doing the right thing. You're not alone. You're not the only one that feels this way. Majority of people feel this way. They were just waiting for somebody to stand up and fight so they could get behind them. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's the point I realized, okay, all right, maybe my country's not doomed. Maybe there is, there is, a, there is some hope. We can save things. What, what support did you have politically? Uh, uh, because, I mean, Virginia is weird. I'd, I've never, I'd never been to Virginia before, uh, a month before I, I met you. And I got to see the Virginias just actually like England. <laughs> it, it actually could be in England driving through the country roads. But what was it like politically? Because you, that was under a Democrat governor, but now you have a Republican governor. Virginia's kind of split. I know the, the Senate has often been 2020 and 1921. So certainly in the last maybe 30 years, it's fairly evenly split. What was the political response to what you were doing yeah well virginia is one of those swing states that flips back and forth like you just mm. said um sometimes it's it's controlled by democrats sometimes it's controlled by republicans and um so in in, in 2020 2021 it was controlled by democrats and that's who came after me was a democratic governor and we elected governor glenn youngkin in 2021 and he and and you know as you know on the campaign trail, he so he took over in January of 2022. Um, on the campaign trail, you know, he talked about how all of these COVID mandates were uh, not only wrong, but they were detrimental to the community. Mm. Um, and they were, especially our kids. I mean, they set our kids back decades in education, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, and so he was in support of, of my stance and my fight of COVID mandates when he was on the campaign trail. Um, I actually got a phone call from him. He left me a voicemail thanking me for standing up for the community. Uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Winsome Sears, uh, Attorney General Jason Meares, who both ended up winning as well, and our Republicans. They came to my restaurant when they were on the campaign trail in support of my fight that I was taking on. And you know, they all let me know, hey, listen, if we win these seats, uh, anybody being prosecuted for COVID mandates, that's over with. You know, mm. We're going to allot you guys your constitutional rights. So they won. And from day one, I started reaching out to them. Hey, guys, remember what you said on the campaign trail? Well, I'm still down here fighting COVID mandates. I'm still being prosecuted for them. And now it's under your administration. So I need you to do what you said you were going to do on the campaign trail and stand up for the people. Um, so one thing I learned through my fight against COVID mandates is that it's not just Democrats running this country into the ground and running the state of Virginia into the ground. We have a lot of Republicans doing the same damn thing. Mm -hmm. And that uniparty that you hear about, yeah. it's real. You know, when, once you get into to politics and uh, this Democrat and Republican leadership, they're one and the same. They both want the same thing, and that's control. And that's total and complete control. Um, and I don't believe either one of them believe that the government and the country as a whole belongs to the people. They believe that they control things and that you answer to them and not the other way around. And uh, unfortunately for them, that's not the way things were set up to be. That's not what our forefathers envisioned when they created this country. So when I realized that, um, and the way I realized that is because I reached out to all of my, my local uh, Republican representation to help me fight because mm -hmm. they said that they were conservative patriots that were about the constitution. 
And I reached out to them and I said, hey, listen, I'm fighting for the Constitution. I need your help. And none of them reached back out to help me. None of them reached back out until I beat the Virginia Department of Health in court and won my case. Then Tell they us about that. That's, that's fantastic. Tell us how you did that. Yeah, so they came at me from those three ways, like I said, Virginia Department of Health, the ABC, and OSHA. And first up was the Virginia Department of Health. We went to court and we beat them. We proved that these mandates were, in fact, unconstitutional, and they had to give me my health department license back. Wow. Wow. So then next up was the ABC, and we go before the ABC board, and we say, hey, ABC, you took my liquor license away from me only because the health department took my health department license away from me. Well, hmm. we beat them in court, and they had to give me my health department license back. So common sense would say that you would have to give me my ABC license back, right? Well, it was a, it's a very liberal uh, Democrat ABC board. And they said, hey, Matt, bottom line is this. It doesn't matter why we took your ABC license. The fact is that we took it. It doesn't matter if it was unconstitutional or not. We took it and you didn't comply. Wow. And that word comply kept coming up. And they said, so for that reason, we're not giving it back to you. It's going to stay suspended for 90 days. And you owe us $15,000. And I said, absolutely not. You're not getting a dime from me. And my license will not be suspended for any amount of days. If you don't want to give me my license back, then I don't need a license. I'll continue to operate without it. Um, and I've always followed every law that I agreed to follow, you know, when I obtained my ABC license and when I t obtained my health department license. But what I will not follow is unconstitutional mandates. So we beat OSHA as well. They, you know, like I said, they fined me 70 grand, but they tapped out as soon as we beat the Virginia Department of Health. So we beat them, didn't pay them a dime. And then so through all of this, when I started realizing that these Republicans are just as corrupt as Democrats, sure. I started thinking, how do I change this? How do I save my country? And the only conclusion that I could come to is me stepping up and running from one of these seats myself. Yeah. And making sure a true representative of the people takes at least one of these seats. And uh, so that's when I uh, announced my run for state Senate here in Virginia. And since I announced my, my run for state Senate, I've been very vocal on social media um, and in interviews like this about how corrupt not only Democrats are, but Republicans as well. And the Republican leadership, they don't like that. When you're a candidate and you're running for the Republican Party, and you don't toe the line, they don't want you to be elected. And for that reason, Governor Glenn Youngkin didn't follow through on his promise when he was uh, running for governor. Um, he didn't he didn't reach back out and uh, help me fight COVID mandates. I, he continued to allow me to be prosecuted uh, for not following COVID mandates, even under his administration. And he was hoping that I would get smashed and that it would come to a point where I... I would eventually be charged with crimes and I wouldn't be able to run for state Senate anymore because the last thing they want is somebody like me taking the state Senate seat and pushing back against the system. But what he didn't realize is how viral my story would go. And so what happened uh, about two months ago is the Virginia State Police and the Virginia ABC, they raided my restaurant for not following COVID mandates two years ago. They raided my restaurant and they took every drop of alcohol out of my restaurant. And I live streamed that as it was happening. Wow. 
Yeah. And it went absolutely viral across the entire nation. And they weren't expecting that. Mm. No, tell me, I just wanted to put up that was that's the the website uh, and that's what people can see and they can follow you, they can donate, uh, all of that. But I, I think that that raid happened. I was there and came to see you. It was just after, uh, two days after. Um, you had been, I think it was something you were closed because you'd been, had been so busy that people had shown their support that they'd, that cleared you out that you'd actually had such a, a bumper business and and that shows the 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 public support you have which i guess emboldened you to go forward and actually successfully stand and actually make a difference as a senator in virginia yeah absolutely i mean so that raid happened on a friday um saturday my restaurant was filled from <laughs> open to close lights out the door with patriots who were just fed up that saw what happened to me on that live stream and that realized, hey, we don't have to look to China to see something like this going on. It's going on right here in our backyard. The government is coming and stripping a man of his livelihoods for not following mandates that have already been proven to be unconstitutional. It's happening right here in our backyard. And um, and, the, and the story just went viral. And so what happened from that point is I had supporters from across the nation inundating the governor's office and the attorney general's office with emails, phone calls, social media posts. The governor couldn't make a social media post without people jumping on there saying, hey, what about Matt Strickland? And what about Gore Meltz? This man's restaurant was just raided for COVID mandates. And you're supposed to be a conservative Republican that's supposed to be standing up against these mandates. Where are you at? Hmm. And so the only thing that these politicians, the only thing they, they answer to is political pressure. Yeah. So my supporters nationwide put enough political pressure on the governor's office that he had no choice but to respond. And uh, he has presidential aspirations. So, you know, everybody knows Youngkin will be running for president. Mm. And when people across the nation let him know, hey, we're watching you. We see what's going on in your state. You can't even control the state of Virginia. How do you expect to be my president? Um, and that's when he responded. And, you know, uh, they, they kept trying to settle with me. And I told them there is no settlement. You know, and they would say, you know, instead of a 90 day suspension, OK, no suspension and just give us like two thousand dollars. And, you know, I've always stood firm and I said, listen, you're not getting a dime from me. Yeah. I will not pay you a dime and I will not serve any suspension. And, you know, I told my lawyer, I said, hey, listen, um, this was, you know, um, the beginning of December that this happened. I said, listen. I'm going to give them until Christmas to get their stuff together. I'm going to close my restaurant on Christmas, obviously, so my employees can spend time with their families. But when I open up after Christmas, I will open my bar back up and I will be selling alcohol, regardless of if they give me my license back or not. At that point, I'm assuming they'll come and arrest me. So if they're ready for the political storm that comes from arresting a veteran that has served this country his whole life, they're ready for that political storm. I'm ready to go to I'm ready to go to jail yeah. because I've been ready to die for my country since I was 17 years old. So don't think I won't go to jail for my country because I absolutely will. And miraculously, they came back and they said, OK, December 23rd, before Christmas, we're going to give you all of your alcohol back. We're going to give you your license back and you don't have to pay us a dime. So we won. We beat them. So we beat OSHA. We beat Virginia Department of Health and we beat. Uh, the Virginia ABC. And the only reason we beat them is because we stood together as Americans. 
We stood together as one in unison, in unity. And we fought back and we simply said, no, we will not allow this to happen anymore. If you're not going to give us our freedoms, we're going to take them. And that's what we need to do from now on when this happens again, because trust and believe, Peter, you know as well as I do that this will happen again in one one way, shape or form. This uh, this was not the this was not the last time they're going to try to strip us of our our, uh, our freedoms. Tell us about as we as we finish up, uh, tell us the, the process this year, uh, how it plans out uh, again. uh many of our viewers will not be American. So tell us how it will work out. And then I guess what people can find on the website and how they can support you. Yeah. Well, so I'm running for state Senate here in Virginia and uh, it's a very important position. One of the most important positions I truly believe in the country because you control elections, you control so much at the state level. So one thing I want to do is make sure our elections are secure because right now in the state of Virginia, they're not, you can go vote without an ID, Peter which how can you tell me an election is secure when I don't even have to show my ID to vote? That's insane. So because I push back against both parties, I don't consider myself a Democrat, a Republican, an independent. I am just an American patriot. That's it. That's all I am. That's where it starts. That's where it stops. And because of that, I'm fighting a war on two fronts. I'm fighting the Republican establishment and I'm fighting the Democrats as well. So I need all the help I can get. Um, I, um, I will win this race. I've got the support of the people. They know who I am and they know what I stand for and they know how hard I'm going to fight for them. Uh, But I need all the help I can get from anybody who uh, supports what I'm about, supports my fight, and that wants to see not just Virginia or America change for the better, but the world. I mean, you have to start somewhere and it it takes incremental incremental change. Um, It doesn't happen overnight. So, I'm in a primary against another Republican, and that primary is going to be June 20th. Okay. Early voting for that starts May 6th. Um, and then next up will be the general election in November. And if anybody wants to support my campaign and uh, send a true patriot to one of these seats, they can visit the, the website, as you said, which is mattforva.com. And also give me a follow on social media at mattforva. Um, anything helps. I mean, uh, you know, obviously campaigns are expensive, which I hate that part about it. There's no reason why campaigns should be as expensive as they are. Um, But the truth of the matter is that they are. So uh, if anybody's in a position to to donate to the campaign, it'd be much appreciated. Um, If you're not, I truly understand that because there are, I mean, we're in tough times right now. What you can do is uh, you can spread the word for me, especially if you know anybody here in the state of Virginia, anybody back here in the U.S., just spread the word for me. And let people know, hey, true patriots are coming and we're coming to take our country back. And, um, you know, we're working with other patriots around the world to take the world back uh, because it's it's important that we do it now. We don't have we don't we don't have much time left. I, I truly believe that this next couple of years is going to be pivotal for, you know, God fearing Christians that uh, that want to actually make a difference and save the world. Can I finish off just by asking you, you talked about God-fearing Christians as as a Christian, uh, that you bring a certain worldview and you bring values. Tell us what it means for you as a Christian to you've served your country militarily uh, and now looking forward to serving your country politically. Uh, What kind of Christian values do you bring then as a candidate to that political position? Well, 
as a Christian, our faith is built on principles. So if you look at the Ten Commandments, all those are, those are principles. And even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, you just, you know, you say, hey, I'm a good person. I believe, you know, there's a there's a higher power than us, but I don't consider myself a Christian. I hear that a lot. Um, but what you can't deny is that the Christian faith was built on a set of principles that is good for everybody. Yeah. Um, Christians, our faith is about treating everybody as an equal and making sure everybody respects and loves each other. And, uh, and that's what I bring. I don't care what your religion is. If you're not a Christian, um, I'm not going to ostracize you. You know, I'll tell you about my Christian faith and I hope you understand that and, uh, and maybe want to learn more about it. But if you don't, you're, st you're still my brother. You're still my sister. And I'm not going to leave you behind. I don't care if you're a man or woman, gay or straight. Doesn't matter to me. Um, I just I just want to make sure that the Christian values that this country was built on, because it was, uh, stays at the forefront of what the United States of America is about. And and that is keeping God first and uh, following the principles that God told us to follow, which is, you know, in essence, the Ten Commandments, you know, just be a good person to each other. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. We'll certainly be, uh, I'll certainly be uh, rooting for you, praying for success in that primary in June and the, the full general election in November. I know that we will we'll speak again. And can I just say to our viewers and listeners, do make sure and go to Matt's website, mattforva.com. Uh, maybe you're listening and haven't seen what's on the screen. All the links are in the description. So if you're listening on Podbean, the podcasting apps, just click on mattforva.com or follow Matt on at mattforva on Twitter. Please do go make use of that and follow Matt as he works towards that election in November. Matt, just thank you once again for your time. It's it's great to talk with you and to hear about your backstory and what you're working towards. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you, Peter. I mean, it was great meeting you when I met you. I'm glad I met you. Um, you are a true patriot of the world. And, uh, and I just, I appreciate everything that you do to make this world a better place and to have the, the platform that you have because mainstream media, um, they, they, uh, they filter the news and they, they only put out what they want you to know. They don't put out the truth. And for, for you to have the platform that you do and you make sure that the truth gets out, whatever that truth may be, um, you know, you don't, you don't give your opinion. You just, you, you, you just, you report facts and let people decide for themselves and, and, uh, you know, that's what's missing today's in today's mainstream media. So thank you so much for what you do. I'm glad I met you and uh, I'm proud to call you a brother. Well, we will thank we will meet again. And part of what I do, it's, it's great meeting people. And it was an honor to be introduced to you, to see your business, to see it being so successful and to follow your campaign. And um, that was the end of last year. And I know that we will. I'm sure meet again this year when I'm over next, but we'll certainly follow closely and we all wish you the absolute best with your campaign and expect you to be one of those 40 in the Senate after November. So thank you so much for joining us. I'll say bye to our viewers and listeners. Thank you for joining us. Make sure and follow all the links in the description and we will certainly keep you posted. We will certainly 
repost what Matt is doing as we follow him closely here at Hearts of Oak as the year develops. So thank you for tuning in. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day and we will see you on Saturday for our next news review. So thank you so much and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.